Welcome back to the Squared Sports Podcast. On this is podcast lane, Frank, we're now up for 76. That's for 76 episodes through, and I got an action-packed episode playing for you. NBA playoffs are underway. NFL draft is one week away. MLB season is rolling, and so much more. Stay tuned for this action-packed episode number 76. Let's hop into it. Now, we'll start for episode 76. How we always do with the headlines in the NBA. Jason Tatum in the Boston Celtics. I'll have to say right there. That seemed like game seven NBA finals, but in reality, it was game one, first round. That what an environment that was in Boston. What a game that was Kyrie Irving. I mean, not such a great welcome back to Boston, you could say. What a game that was. Jason Tam, buzzer beater. I mean, seeing that live, that was just crazy. I thought Mark Smart was gonna take the shot, kicks it. Jason Tam, makes a crazy move on Kyrie Irving and gets the bucket to go in and the Celtics win the game. Good defense in that game, great offense also. It was just a great, well-played game. I think it's gonna go back and forth. I think it definitely will go to seven. I think that's probably do win both in Brooklyn. And and then maybe Celtics win another night in Boston. But it's just, just going to be an amazing series, everybody. This might be the best series of the playoffs the past couple of years. This is going to be an amazing series, in my opinion. But Jason Tame and the Boston Celtics off to a great start. Mark Smart winning Defense Player of the Year also this week. What a great win that was for Mark Smart. Being one of the only guards ever to win Defensive Player of the Year. He said a couple years ago, you know, can a guard ever win a Defense Player of the Year that's not named Gary Payne? Well, Mark Smart won Defense Player of the Year, and he's not named Gary Payne. So what a game that, what a performance this was by Mark Smart this season. What performance that was by the Boston Celtics in Game 1 against the Brooklyn Nets. You know, it was snubbed of an award? Jordan Poole. But Jordan Poole was snubbed of Most Improved Player. He's not even a finalist. That's wild to see right there. Jordan Poole should be maybe even the favorite Most Improved. He's not even a finalist. That's wild to me right there. But Jordan Poole went off. In the first two games of this series, my Michigan guy, Jordan Poole, I got a segment coming up later about he and Ducker Robinson. What a performance that was in those first two games. 30 points the first game, 29 points in the second game. Wow. I mean, starting over Steph Curry, it's going to suck to see that he's not going to be able to start in the starting lineup next series because they're obviously going to have to start Andrew Wiggins. They're going to have to start... Kevon Looney, because size, they're going to start Draymond Green, they're going to start Clay Thompson, they're going to start Steph Curry, they're not going to go crazy, put Jerome Plew over Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, which is the right thing to do, but this team's rolling. I might even say this team might win the championship over the Phoenix Suns. This is just wild to see right here. They might win the Western Conference over the Suns. I know I picked the Suns, and I'm going to ride out that prediction, but it's just wild to see right here. Jordan Poole going off so far in the NBA playoffs. The Minnesota Timberwolves shocked the world when they beat the Los Angeles Clippers to win the NBA play in, my bad. I mean, Minnesota Timberwolves, Pretty much celebrated like they won NBA championship right there. Patrick Beverly went insane. He got fined for going crazy. It seemed like they were going crazy. It seemed like they won NBA championship. No, they won the play-in to be the seventh seed. Then they won game one against the Memphis Grizzlies, which I don't think Memphis Grizzlies should be too worried right now. But, I mean, they are pretty equal. Andy Edwards is a great player. John Morant coming off injury. Carlton Towns is a great center in this NBA. I'll match with Steven Adams and Jared Jackson probably. So this is just a great team, in my opinion. This is going to be a great series. Minnesota Timberwolves obviously overreacted their win. But, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Obviously a great win against the Memphis Grizzlies in game one. Minnesota Timberwolves rolling right now to start off the NBA playoffs. Let's go over to the NFL where we have a bunch of news. Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are still not on teams. So we're going to break that down later. We're going to break down the NFL draft later. But the big news of this week in the NFL is wide receivers want contracts. A.J. Brown wants a major contract. Is he a top five wide receiver? Is Debo Samuel a top five wide receiver? Those are two wide receivers wanting big contracts. We got something coming up next about top five wide receivers in the NFL. I'm going to break down. Who the top five highest paid wide receivers in the NFL should be? Who the top five wide receivers in the NFL are? We're going to get into that in a little bit, but just wild to see right here. All these wide receivers. I don't think Debo Samuel should be one of the top three highest paid wide receivers. I don't think A.J. Brown in his fourth season in the NFL deserves to be a top three paid wide receiver. I really don't. So 
A lot of stuff going on in the NFL right now with the wide receivers, seeing Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill getting huge contracts this offseason, but a lot going on in the NFL with the wide receivers. Let's move to the MLB where we have a bunch of news. Shohei Otani started out the season horrendous for the Los Angeles Angels. Now he's doing great. Okay, pretty much gave his bat CPR, it looked like the other night. He had a leadoff home run against the Texas Rangers. Now he's rolling these three home runs in the season. He could win MVP again this year. I'm sticking with my pick, Vladimir Guerrero I'm riding out with that pick. But his cross town rival, Los Angeles Dodgers, Freddie Freeman. In his first at-bat, his first at-bat against the Atlanta Braves, his former team, his former team of 10-plus years, he hits a home run against them in his first at-bat back. Well, I mean, what a moment that is right there. Atlanta Braves are a good team. I went to see them play this weekend against the Padres. They are a very good team. Matt Olson's a great player, and that's a perfect replacement for Freddie Freeman. Two of the top first basemen in baseball right now, Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman. Just what a replacement that is for him. But Freddie Freeman goes yard in his first at-bat against his former team, the Atlanta Braves. That's bad for the headlines this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, my favorite thing from this week, the best thing I saw this week, was my Michigan guys, my Michigan guards, Duncan Robinson and Miami Heat. And Jordan Poole, I talked a lot about in the headlines of the Golden State Warriors, going off in the NBA playoffs. Duncan Robinson, 27 points. So many threes. Maybe the best three-point shooter in the NBA. That's, that's not that crazy of a statement right there. He had a rough regular season after getting a huge contract last offseason. But Duncan Robinson did let that go to his head. He showed up when it matters most. Playoff time. He fully outshot Trey Young in that game. Was the best player in that game. What a game that was for Duncan Robinson. What a series start this has been for Duncan Robinson. And for Jordan Poole, we already talked about him a bunch in the headlines. But this is, I mean, this is this is a great team. Golden State Warriors. Jordan Poole, a lot of people criticized him when he came out of Michigan as a sophomore. They said, oh, he should have stayed another year. No, Jordan Poole didn't stay another year. Went to the NBA and people thought, oh, he's going to be a bust because he had a terrible rookie year. Then he had a pretty good second year. Now he's going off in his third year in the NBA. Jordan Poole, an amazing player, in my opinion. Could be maybe sixth man of the year next year when everybody's healthy because he'll probably come off the bench next season. I think he should be a sixth man of the year next year. Should have been the most improved player this year, though. But just so much going on. All these John Beeline guys. John Beeline found these guys. Duncan Robinson, the only player ever to make the jump from D3 to D1 directly. Just great play. Great story for Duncan Robinson. Great story for Jordan Poole. That's my favorite of the week. See my Michigan guys. Jordan Poole and Duncan Robinson going off in the NBA playoffs. It's here, everybody. I promised it. The top five NFL wide receivers, in my opinion. We did it last season. I think I had DeAndre Hopkins at number one, but no. We had Julio Jones on that list last season. No, we're not going to have Julio Jones in this season. Julio Jones is not a top 15 wide receiver in the NFL anymore. So this is our top five wide receivers in the NFL right now. Not going off of last season. If we're going off last season, Debo Samuel's on this list. And Cooper Cup's number one. Cooper Cup is on this list still, but he's not number one. Let's hop into it. Top five wide receivers in the NFL. And who I think the top paid wide receivers in the NFL should be. Number five. Stephon Diggs, everybody. Stephon Diggs got a huge contract this offseason. Well-deserved for the Buffalo Bills. Wants to retire Buffalo Bill. That connection with Josh Allen is amazing. Has proved it his whole career. From being a sixth-round pick, Stephon Diggs now being an all-pro for the Buffalo Bills. Stephon Diggs, great player. Fifth-best wide receiver in the NFL. Number four, it's Tyreek Hill. Another sixth-round pick for the Miami Dolphins. That's going to get weird to say right there. Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins. Not a Kansas City Chief anymore. Maybe his play will go downhill. Maybe he'll even rise up more. We're just going to have to wait and see. But Tyreek Hill, fourth best wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. Number three, DeAndre Hopkins, everybody. You can say, how? All these guys have better seasons than DeAndre Hopkins last season. The Cardinals were 7-0 to start the season. Then they went to 9-2. Then DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt for the rest of the season. 
and the Cardinals don't make it past the wild card and Calamari wants a new contract, starts up this whole debate. So, point of the story is that when DeAndre Hopkins plays for the Arizona Cardinals, they are a much better team. Calamari is a much better player. Elevates Kyler Murray's play. That's why I have DeAndre Hopkins as the third best wide receiver in the NFL. One of the best. I mean, he can moss you. He can do anything. One of the best jump ball receivers of all time, you could say. DeAndre Hopkins, an amazing receiver. Third best receiver in the NFL. Right now, DeAndre Hopkins. Number two, Cooper Cup, everybody. Now, not the guy who's going to go up and grab ball from you. He's not going to be the best jump ball wide receiver in the NFL. No, that's probably DeAndre Hopkins right now. But he is probably one of the best route runners in the NFL, if not the best. I mean, just speed efficiency. Cooper Cup is the most efficient, one of the most efficient players in the NFL, you could say. Cooper Cup, second best wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, should be paid second most wide receiver in the NFL. And now number one, the highest paid receiver in the NFL is Devontae Adams. So I have Devontae Adams at number one. Devontae Adams is a great player. He's going to be Las Vegas Raiders. So two wide receivers on this list on new teams now. Tyree Kill on a new team and Devontae Adams on a new team. He's going to have that connection with Derek Carr like he had that connection with Aaron Rodgers. He's a great player, Devontae Adams. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL. And that's my list. You can debate it. Those are my reasons. Those are my top five wide receivers in the NFL. I don't have Debo Samuel on this list. I don't have A.J. Brown on this list. And I don't have any other wide receiver who wants more money in their contract. I really don't. I think these are the top five wide receivers in the NFL, and I stand by that statement. That's the top five this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, didn't know, but this week's day know it's a good one. Did you know the fastest player to ever reach 100 career home runs is Ryan Howard, who is probably the biggest what-if in baseball history, one of the biggest what-ifs in baseball history. I mean, if Ryan Howard stayed healthy his whole career, didn't tear his Achilles, you're looking at maybe a potential Hall of Famer, maybe the next Barry Bonds, that's a bit of a wild statement right there. Ryan Howard is one of the best power hitters of that time. He is, for sure. But the second fastest player to reach 100 home runs, and a little bit of an unexpected thing right here, is my guy, the polar bear, Pete Alonso, second fastest player to ever reach 100 home runs. It's my guy of my New York Mets, Pete Alonso. Didn't know that? Leave that in the comment section. That's about for Didn't Know This Week. So let's hop into my NFL Draft Big Board of Buy. NFL Draft is one week away. We have our mock draft special next week, but we're not going to do a mock draft this week. We did one last week of the top eight players. Now we're going to do a big board of my top 10 players in this draft class, regardless of position, regardless of anything like that. My top 10 players in this NFL Draft class. Let's hop into it. The number one player in this draft class, in my opinion, is Aiden Hutchinson of the Michigan Wolverines. My Michigan guy, Aiden Hutchinson, is the best player in this draft class. He's one of the best edge rushers maybe in the past 10 years to come out. He's amazing, Aiden Hutchinson. He's going to be no doubt the number one pick and the best player in this draft class, in my opinion. My Michigan guy, Aiden Hutchinson, goes number one and is the best player in this draft class, in my opinion. The number two, who's the second best player in this draft class? I got Ika McQuanu as the second best player in this draft class. I don't think he goes number two to the Lions, but I do definitely think he is an amazing player. I mean, you could maybe see the Lions go crazy and take another offensive lineman. They took Penny Sewell last year, so I don't think they need to take another tackle. But Ika McQuanu is a great player, in my opinion. Better than Evan Neal, even though I really like Evan Neal. Better than Charles Cross, who I also really like, who are both in this list, Charles Cross and Evan Neal. But I got Ika McQuanu, again, the slight edge over them. Ika McQuanu, second best player in this draft class. Number three, Evan Neal. Evan Neal, I think, will probably end up going to the Jets. We're going to talk about on the mock draft special next week. But Evan Neal is an amazing player. But had some struggles getting ready for snaps, stuff like that last season. But he played left tackle and right tackle in this time at Alabama. So he's flexible in the NFL. Interesting thing to look out for there. Evan Neal, great player in my opinion, will be great in the NFL. So Evan Neal, third best player in this draft class. Number four, 
Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, but if my mock draft stands, is how it is right now. I have Trayvon Walker going number two to the Lions. Trayvon Walker is a great player, in my opinion. Really shop draft boards. Had a great season at Georgia, no debate about that, but I mean, since the Columbine, since his pro day has been shooting up draft boards, number two pick in the NFL draft will be Trayvon Walker, and he's number four on my list of the five of the ten best players in this NFL draft class. Number four on Squared Sports Big Board, Trayvon Walker. Number five, Kayvon Thibodeau. Kevin Thibodeau can be the most talented player in this draft class. He can, but is he? That's a tough thing right there because Dan Campbell's not going to take him. He has probably one of the worst. I mean, he doesn't have the best attitude, Kevin Thibodeau. It's this, it's that. He has. He's very injury prone, and Aiden Hutchinson can get injured, but he'll play through injuries. Kevin Thibodeau didn't play in that Ohio State game, arguably maybe the biggest game of his career. Didn't play in it. You could say, oh, he could have played in it. Oh, he couldn't have. I don't care. Kevin Thibodeau is much more injury prone than Trayvon Walker. Then Aiden Hutchinson. So I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the third best edge rusher in this class. And I think he is the fifth best player in this draft class. He could have the talent to be number one, but I don't think he is. Kayvon Thibodeau, fifth best player in this draft class. Number six, Kyle Hampton. Some people have Kyle Hampton at number one. Some people have Kyle Hampton at number two. I'm putting Kyle Hampton at number six. Kyle Hampton got hurt late in the season at Notre Dame. Had a terrible pro day. Ran a 4-9, 40-yard dash. But that's unofficial. I mean, Kyle Hampton's still going to be a great safety in the NFL. He'd be a great spot for the Eagles, maybe even the Texans at number three. By Kyle Hampton, number six, sixth best player in this draft class, my opinion, is safety at Notre Dame, Kyle Hampton. Now, number seven, the third best offensive line in this draft class, Charles Cross, who I hoping my New York Giants take out of number five or number seven, unless they can McQuan or Evan Neal available at that spot. Charles Cross had a great season at Mississippi State. He's a great run blocker. Will be better than Andrew Thomas. Will be better than Will Hernandez. So I think this would be a perk pick for the Giants. This isn't a mock draft, but Maybe next week he'll be going number five or number seven in my mock draft to my New York Giants. Seventh best player in this draft class is Charles Cross at Mississippi State. Number eight, Jermaine Johnson, everybody. I could say, who's Jermaine Johnson? Jermaine Johnson has been shooting up draft boards. Some people have him at number eight. Some people have him at number three going to the Texans. That'll be wanting to see right there. Texas do need an edge rusher. Jermaine Johnson just might be that pick. Jermaine Johnson had a great season at Florida State, but it's really been the postseason that he's done well. He did great in the combine, did great as pro day, and now shooting up draft boards. Seventh, eighth best player in this draft class, in my opinion, is Jermaine Johnson. Now number nine, this is why I think the best cornerback in this draft class is. It's not Sauce Gardner. It's not Kyrie Lum. It's not Derek Jr. It's Trent McDuffie, everybody, out of Washington. Trent McDuffie has had a great college career. I mean, this would be a perfect, ideal spot for the Eagles, for the Saints. A team like that would be lucky to have them. Seahawks, Trent McDuffie, great player, in my opinion. Ninth best player in this draft class is... Trent McDuffie. Now number 10, I want to squeeze wide receiver in there. I'm back and forth. Is it Drake London? Is it Garrett Wilson? Who's the best wide receiver in this draft class? It's pretty much 10A, 10B for me right here. I'm just going to give it to Drake London because of versatility. Drake London is like a DeAndre Hopkins type player. He's not a Tyreek Hill type player where he's going to go up and route you up, everything like that. But he will go up and snag a ball for you. Drake London is that type of player. Had a great season at USC. Had a great career at USC. Played basketball in the USC basketball team's freshman year. That's what I see right there. Drake London, very athletic. I mean, can go up and grab a ball. Maybe could be the next DeAndre Hopkins. Drake London, great player, 10th best player in this draft class over Garrett Wilson. I'll say right there, Drake London is the best wide receiver in this draft class. And that's my schoolyard sports big board, last big board of the NFL draft cycle until next year. Next week, we got our mock draft special. Still more comments, schoolyard sports, Lane Freight, sorry, 76. Now, around the base area, but the weekly baseball MLB news. So let's hop into it. So much news went on MLB this week. But let's start out with Corey Seager being walked with the bases load. I blame all this on analytics. Okay, I blame this on analytics because did it really work? Joe Madden might think Corey Seager's the next Barry Bonds. But I think there's a higher chance of Corey Seager grounding out than hitting a single, hitting a triple, hitting a double, hitting a home run, anything like that. I really think there's a higher chance of Corey Seager grounding out because he's not that type of power hitter. And he's probably going to ground out. It's forced play. 
bases loaded. So I don't really like that decision by Joe Madden, but I do blame it on Alex. What do you think about Corey Seager being walked with the bases loaded? Just an interesting kind of thing right there. Corey Seager being walked with the bases loaded. Well, now I want to talk about another shortstop, and then will be Francisco Lindor. But Francisco Lindor had a horrendous season last year. He had five home runs through the month of July, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he has five home runs, or at least four home runs, already through the season. Francisco Lindor is showing why he's a $341 million player. Francisco Lindor is showing why he's an amazing player, why he was great with the Indians, and now why he's great with New York Mets. So Francisco Lindor had a rough season last year, first season in New York. Now he's playing great so far for the New York Mets, and New York Mets are rolling. Won a doubleheader against the Giants yesterday. New York Mets rolling right now. And MLB probably gonna win the NL East. I mean, I was traumatized by the NL East last season. And at least, I mean, Mets had a lead for 80, I think it was through August, and then the Mets blew that lead. Most games ever in first place not make the playoffs, New York Mets. Wild stuff right there. But this season, I think New York Mets win the NL East and do make the playoffs. But a lot of stuff going on in the NL right now. Dodgers obviously tearing up. Freddie Freeman in his first at-bat against his old team, Land Braves in LA. Hits a dinger. What a play that was by Freddie Freeman. What an at-bat. That's just wild stuff right there. I mean, first at-bat against their former team, hitting a home run. Gets your team of like 10 plus years. That's wild stuff right there from Freddie Freeman. Will Freddie Freeman win MVP season? Will Freddie Freeman win a Silver Slugger season? Will Freddie Freeman be an all-star of the season? Leave your answer in the comment section. Now the last thing I want to talk about right here now around the bases. Hunter Green never play. Hunter Green of the Cincinnati Reds is an amazing player to play. I mean, this is wild stuff right here. Number two pick of the, I think it was 2019. And will be draft and Hunter Green. I mean, I'd never him. I mean, throws 100 miles per hour in pretty much every single at bat, every single pitch. It seems like Hunter Green's fastball might just be the fastest in baseball. Broke the record for most pitches over 100 miles per hour in his second career game. He got the loss, only gave up two runs, but because the Reds' offense is very lackluster, they couldn't get scoring over the Dodgers' pitching. But Hunter Green is an amazing player in my opinion. Most pitches over 100 miles per hour in a game in his second career start. Record previously held by Jake DeGrom and Nathan Yavaldi. But Hunter Green is going to be a star on the making every play. Just tough to see right there. Reds trading all their players in the offseason. But we got a segment coming up next about baseballs. Big problem. Stay tuned for that every play. That's about for Around the Bases this week. So the big news this offseason MLB was the MLB lockout. Looking for a new CBA and... Owner said, oh, the big thing we want, the big thing we want is a new pitch clock system. Oh, pitch clock system? It says it's going to shave 20 minutes off the game. It's doing AAA right now. That's not very exciting to me. 20 minutes off the game, and then I don't want the game to go seven innings or anything like that because then it ruins stats for players, and if you take off games, it ruins stats for players also. But I want to talk about baseball's bigger problem at here right here, which should have happened this MLB offseason with the lockout, with the new CBA, but it didn't. So let me break it down to you. 13 of the 30 MLB teams... 13 out of 30 MLB teams have payroll around $30 million. Now, that isn't a lot, everybody. That isn't a lot. That is pretty much half the MLB has a payroll under $30 million. Eight MLB players have an annual salary over $30 million, with Trevor Bauer being number one, $40 million, and then Max Scherzer being up there at number two, with a $37 million. That's wild stuff right there. Only 17 MLB teams have payroll over $30 million. I mean, that's a little bit more than half the MLB right there. So, Low market teams then will be really can't win. And only two of those 13 MLB teams are contenders. Only two of them. So that shows that low market teams then will be cannot be contenders. And only two teams there are the Mariners and the Tampa Rays. And the Rays live off analytics. They live off analytics and they live off, I mean, weird starting pitcher Tyler, uh, starting pitching. A couple years ago, they were going with relief pitching, starting pitching, but Tyler Glass now a great player. Randy Rosarina, great find for them. And the other contender is the Seattle Mariners, who might not even be a contender. They have J.P. Crawford. They have Jared Kelnick. They have Louis Rodriguez. So they could be a World Series contender in the next couple years. And they probably will be a playoff contender for this season. 
But let's have those two of the 13 teams. If you're a low market team, that'll be, it is almost impossible to win. Now, the Cincinnati Reds, who I just talked about with Hunter Green around bases, they should be World Series contenders right now, or World Series favorites in the NL right now, but they aren't. Let me break it down to you. Last season, they had an amazing roster. Oh, they had an amazing roster. I mean, even the season before, they had Trevor Bauer. If they could have more money, they would have brought Trevor Bauer back, but they couldn't. Then they had Joey Votto last season, who could have won MVP. Didn't. They had Rookie of the Year, John Nindy, at second base, I and mean, they couldn't bring Brack. They had Silver Slugger, 30-plus home run king, pretty much. Eugenio Suarez at third base, they'd trade him. Jesse Winker at left field, they'd trade him. So, Cincinnati Reds have a big problem. I mean, it's just, they had to trade all these guys because they wanted new contracts. Jesse Winker's almost up for free agency. Eugenio Suarez is almost up for free agency. Joey Voss, pretty much the only guy who's last on that Cincinnati Reds team. So, Cincinnati Reds had a World Series contending roster last season, but couldn't do it. But if they came back this season, they probably could have a chance of the World Series. But no, they had to blow up the team because all these guys want to do contracts, and they're a low-mark team with a payroll around $30 million. What are they going to do? They can't pay them that money. So kind of just interesting stuff right there. I mean, Cincinnati Reds can't be contenders with the type of roster they have right now. Luis Castillo in there. They trade Sonny Gray this offseason. So they had all the pieces last season. They could have brought them in this season, but they don't have the salary cap. They don't have, they don't have the payroll to do that. So salary cap benefited them. Another team like that is the Oakland Athletics. Oakland Athletics had a great roster, could have had a great roster season, had a great roster last season. The roster this season could have been Tyler Sostrom, top prospect catcher. Matt Olson who's tearing it up for the LA Braves right now at first base. They could have had Tony Kemp at second base, Matt Chapman, all-star shortstop. And then, I mean, it's just, it's just wild to me right here. Sean Manaya at starting pitcher. They'd trade him also. So, so much going on with these two teams. Oakland Athletics. Cincinnati Reds, low-market teams who could have contend for World Series this year, but they couldn't because there is no salary cap in the MLB, and if you are a low-market team in the MLB, you can't fix that. You see in other sports, you see in the NBA, Phoenix, not the biggest market. Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. Memphis, definitely not the biggest market. They're one of the best teams in the NBA also. Minnesota, definitely not a big market, but they're in the playoffs right now. But for the MLB, there is no salary cap. If you're a low-market team, you can't contend. That's, that's pretty much all that's being said right here in the MLB. MLB needs a salary cap, everybody. Pitch clock isn't going to fix all this. It really, I mean, pitch clock doesn't fix any of this. That's why the lockout was pointless this offseason. Pointless. MLB has bigger issues to figure out. They need a salary cap. Like I said, pretty much half the MLB is payroll around $30 million, And eight players have payroll over $30 million. If you're a low market team MLB, newsflash, you can't contend. You just can't. Kansas City Royals contended for a couple years, but after they won that World Series, they had to get rid of everybody. They got rid of Ben Zobrist. They lost him to the Cubs. They got rid of Eric Cosmer. They lost him to the Padres. They got, I mean, it's, it's just sad right here to see them will be, if you're a low market team, you can't contend. That's why I'm happy to be a New York Mets fan or we're a high market team. We can contend. We can get great players. But salary cap needs to be a thing that will be. You can't see the Dodgers getting all these guys. The Dodgers have one of the highest payrolls of all time. Meanwhile, the Pirates, the Brewers, all these teams have very low payrolls. Those are my thoughts right there. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. That's about for baseball's big problem. Now at the buzzer, everybody, this week's at the buzzer, it's NFL. It's nothing to do with the NFL draft. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield are still not free agents. They're still not new teams. Jimmy Garoppolo is still a San Francisco 49er. Baker Mayfield still Cleveland Brown. But let's find new homes for these players. Let's discuss it right here. Jimmy Garoppolo... Mark my words, will be an Atlanta Falcon. I don't think the Falcons have to give up that much. I don't think, I think you're going to do in like June, maybe even July. They will be getting Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's kind of a win-win for Arthur Blank. He's a bit of a Matt Ryan type player. So, say Jimmy Garoppolo does great for the Atlanta Falcons. Great! We get to the playoffs, Cordell Patterson. Great target for him. We make the playoffs, everything like that. But, if he does terrible, 
great. We get a number one pick. We can get Cesar Stroud. We can get DJ Wungle. We can get Bryce Yelling. I don't think they should take the trigger. I'm Malik Wilson, Kenny Pickett, just yet this offseason. I don't think they need a quarterback this offseason, at least a rookie quarterback this offseason. They should get Jimmy Garoppolo, like I said. But next year's quarterback class is much better than this year's quarterback class, in my opinion. So, I mean, kind of just wild stuff with Jimmy G right now. I mean, Debo Samuel requested a trade from the 49ers today. Jimmy Garoppolo obviously will be traded from the 49ers. They gave Trey Lancer oath that he's going to be their starting quarterback. But Jimmy Garoppolo is proved to be a winning quarterback, led them to the conference championship, led them to the Super Bowl, and just has great seasons when he's healthy, pretty much. Jimmy Garoppolo has led good teams when he's healthy, even though the stats don't look the best, even though his play doesn't look the best. When he's healthy, they win. His team wins. So I think this would be a win-win move for the Atlanta Falcons. If he does great, great, make the playoffs. If he does terrible, great, we get Caesar Stroud or Bryce Young. Those are my thoughts right there on Jimmy Garoppolo. Now let's find a home for Baker Mayfield. I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next season. I think he's going to be a Tennessee Titan everybody. I don't think he's going to be Houston Texan, even though there's rumors about that. If the Houston Texans really wanted him, they would trade him in that Deshaun Watson deal. They would have won him that Deshaun Watson deal. So I don't think he goes over to the Houston Texans and goes over to those Tennessee Titans. This is almost like that Ryan Tannehill deal that they did a couple years ago. Even though Marcus Mariota was their starting quarterback for the first six games that season, they said, hey, Marcus Mariota's doing terrible. Let's bring in Ryan Tannehill. Boom, he brings us to the conference championship game. I think Baker Mayfield can maybe have that same effect right there. I know Ryan Tannehill's under a huge contract right now. This would be a win-win for Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. He gets to learn under Ryan Tannehill. I think Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback, everybody. He tore his labor in week two. Still played pretty well after that. Got COVID in a tough system where he lost his best wide receiver, Noto Beckham Jr. So Baker Mayfield has proved to make the playoffs in the NFL. So I, th- I think this is a win-win for Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. That's about for that. The buzz this week. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. Now, the best philosophy question of this week's question today is, who will be the best player from this year's NFL draft class? When it's all said and done, these players' career, who will be the best player? I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. You could say it's going to be Kevin Thibodeau. You could say it's going to be Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. I really don't know. But Aiden Hutchinson is my pick to be the best player from this draft class. When they're all said and done, when they're all retired, he's my pick to be the best player from this draft class. Who's your pick? Leave your answer in the comment section. That's the powerful question today this week. That's the powerful Squirt Sports Lane Frank, episode 76. Thank you for tuning in. Follow Squirt Sports on Instagram at Squirt Sports. Follow Squirt Sports on Twitter at Squirt Sports. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and view for the best sports content in the world. We'll be back next week, episode 77. Stay tuned.